0: I manage it in a few ways. Number one, perspective. The bad times are never as bad as they seem and they won't last. The good times are never as great as they seem and they won't last. So enjoy both for what they are. Perspective is critical. And I think kind of dovetailing on that, realizing that you're not defined by your successes and your failures. You're defined by the impact that you have on the people that you, whose lives you get to touch. They don't care much about the successes and the
1: failures
0: welcome to the ownership game with Gary Montalbo. what would it take to get into the driver's seat of your life and leave your
2: mark the ownership game starts now In today's episode, we speak to the remarkable Sarah Shadonix. Leaving behind her life as a lawyer, Sarah pursued her deep-seated passions for sustainable farming, wine, and the joy of delivering products that are rooted in nature. This led her to become the visionary behind Scout & Seller, one of the largest wine distributors in the U.S., dedicated to disrupting the commercialized wine industry by championing clean crafted wines that are natural and meticulously sourced. This is undoubtedly an enriching episode packed with moments of candid reflection and invaluable experiences that go deep into the heart of making life altering decisions that are driven by passion and the pursuit of adding value to the world. Okay, so you used to be a lawyer and now turned into a winemaker. I'm really interested in how that transition happened for you. Cause, you know, like it takes many years to prepare to be a lawyer. It's a big investment of time, commitment. You put all this work, you're at it, and then it's like a whole other pivot, right? So What was happening for you that led you to that? How did, let's, let's dig into, let's dig deep into that.
0: What was happening to me that led me to change careers?
2: Yeah. Like, well, I don't, I don't think, I don't see, I don't get the experience that it was a career change for you as much as you got it. You had a calling.
0: That's true. Yes. Yeah. It was a life change. It was a whole like life change. And so it was really about a couple of things were going on. I, I had this experience as a, as a kid growing up in these deep-seated passions and curiosities about farming and things that are grown and delivering joy to people through that experience
2: mm-hmm.
0: on the one hand, which is kind of always kind of humming along in the background. Like yeah, because you music. grew up
2: in a farm. Mm-hmm. For, for, for people who don't know you, you grew up in a farm. So you this was part of your your childhood.
0: Yep. I grew up on a farm where dinner was always home cooked, made from things grown. And that was important. Seeing kind of the yeah. life cycle of how things are grown, how they taste different, and how the how care and feeding going into things that are grown actually manifests itself in so many different ways and impacts people in so many different ways. And that was meaningfully important to me. And I developed a lot of curiosity for and passion about that, so that was all. That was like the background music in my life, and Mm -hmm. so I was. I was. It fueled my passion for food and for wine and for coffee and for tea and for like learning about that. And then I was a lawyer, and I liked that just fine. And then I had a couple of experiences as a lawyer towards the end of my career as a lawyer that made me question the value I was adding in the world. Mm And I won't go into too much detail, just because it's doesn't do any good to talk about things that aren't casting people in the that light. But I was representing folks and had a couple of experiences with people in a variety, like that had pretty high up positions in the legal community, mm-hmm. that made me question what I was doing and why I was doing it. If I was really helping people, because there was a lot of displays of no integrity, and yeah. I was being, at I, I, it just made me why am I even here? Am I helping anybody? So I decided maybe I could do something else that could be more helpful. And this background music is playing about things that are grown. And so I thought, huh, maybe I could add a little value by delivering joy and connection to people in the form of wine.
1: Mm.
0: And so without any experience working in wine, I was just a really good wine buyer and taster. I've got a. I'm a super taster, actually. I I I am. I've got a really good palate, which is good and bad, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) And I, er, like, studied and got some some wine professional certifications after I left the law, and then I went to work in the wine industry.
2: So you, so okay, so you you went. So you started the process of transition and just go cold turkey, right? You Mm -hmm. you, and you and how did you, like. How did wine come about? Like, was it was that like? Oh, wine!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've i always loved wine. My husband, because you and could I... have
2: done marketing for wine, you could have sure. done law for wine, you could have, you know what I mean? Like, how did you get into like I'm gonna make wine?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it it happened like most things, very organically. I earned these these wine professional certifications. I spent about a year doing that. And then I applied to a variety of jobs in the wine industry in California. And I ended up getting a job with this little tiny company. And I'll never forget this. I flew out to California for this interview, Gary. And I'm wearing my my lawyer clothes. I have heels on and this, like, suit dress. Okay? And I'm going for this interview with this tiny company in Sonoma, California. And they're in, like, blue jeans and (laughs) T-shirts. Okay, and,
2: <laughs> and I'm power like, lawyer walking into the room.
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't get the memo on the dress code, but okay, I'm, I'm dress your best, right? So anyway, it was for a job as a channel manager in e-commerce for this little tiny company, and I worked with wineries all over the East Coast, uh, all over the West Coast, in Oregon, California, and Washington to, s- to source their wines and position them for sale online. And I got this job. And I did it for a couple of years, and I loved it. And I learned so much about the wine industry, and I developed some great relationships. And I learned the most important thing that led me to today, which is that there was an opportunity to bring to the world these types of grown wines that are made naturally and bottled consciously, kind of at scale. And that's where the idea for the for the Clean Craft Commitment of Scout & Cellar came from, is most wines available to most people are, you know, commercialized they're the product of big food they're 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 grown with pesticides to opt to to, to maximize yields they're manipulated with additives to yield a certain taste year after year after year because the american palate wants things to taste they want their mcdonald's burger to taste the same in tokyo as it does in Mm -hmm. dubai as it does in plano texas as it does in new york city and so wine was just a byproduct of the broken food system and i thought huh we can just deliver this really naturally made wine to everybody. That's more delicious, but we have to, how can we do it at scale? So that's where the yeah. idea for the, for Scout and Cellar, Clean Craft to came from.
2: And it, I want to just pause there because <laughs> until I met you and until I met Scout and Seller, I had no idea that that was even a thing. Like I never even thought about the, the wine that I drink being mass produced in that way. And the things that, Actually, had to go into it to mass produce it that way. So I was like, I, w- I it was just like a radical idea for me because I mean, it seems so obvious now when we're talking about it. Because of course, everything is, but it hit me in the in the head like a two by four. Like I, I was just like, what do you mean? There's stuff on my wine? Like what are you talking about? Okay. And so you go, you 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 go on with this idea, which is pretty radical in the industry.
0: Very, I mean, yes. at, this,
2: at this point, you have some experience in the business, but you still don't have experience making the wine and producing the wine, right?
0: Well, so I, I don't have a lot of experience in a lot of things. So let us I'm, I'm working in this job and developing some relationships, and I have this big idea. And I needed a way to start the business, Gary. Like, how, uh-huh. I've got this idea for this whole new kind of wine, and I need a way to sell the wine. And I, I really wanted to launch the business and sell it online. That's the kind of the channel of wine I had been working in. And I was yeah. passionate about that. Everybody is buying everything online. This is in 2015 and 16. And at that time, about 1% of all wine was being bought online. 1%, Another
2: radical idea.
0: <laughs> 1%. But, you know, about 30% of retail was online at the time. And I'm like, oh, look at all this. Look at all this opportunity here. I, I yeah. saw that gap as opportunity. And so I thought, well, how are we going to sell this wine online? Like people aren't used to buying wine online. And so I did some research to see who's the primary buyer of wine and what do they buy wine based on? Uh And women are the primary buyers of wine and they buy wine based on three things. What their friends are drinking, the story behind the wine and the label. And there was, I had a girlfriend across the street for me at the time that was doing Plexus, you know, direct selling company.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, huh, this business model really leverages those buying behaviors. So maybe I can launch my e-commerce whole new kind of wine using this model. And so I did. <laughs> and it's as simple as that.
2: <laughs> so I did. End of story. Huge success. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yep. Were you as, I mean, when you're telling the story, it all sounds like fearless in a way. Was it really like that? Or no. are we, are, yeah. No,
0: of course not. And, and here's the deal. As this is happening, I I had such modest <laughs> expectations. I mean, I'm thinking like my mom and sister and maybe some friends might buy this wine. Like maybe we'll uh-huh. sell a few hundred bottles a month. Like this is going to be like a small little, I had a grand vision, but I was, I was pretty Pragmatic about it, yeah, and so no, it was the, you gotta start to to get anywhere, so the key is starting, and that was what I was doing is just starting with pretty humble expectations
2: listen up listeners, just start. <laughs> I'm always telling people you gotta just start because the next step will illuminate the next and it will illuminate the next, but when you're over here, you could you can't see how all everything is gonna unfold you'll never um, get anywhere okay. if you don't start. So you started down a road with all these obstacles. You're ent- First of all, you're entering a heavily male-dominated industry. You're with a pretty radical concept of cre- clean crafted wine with we we said we don't experience obviously you're kind of figuring out as you go along. A business model that you're not familiar with as well. So and it's a, like
0: and a radical model. On. And a radical model in the wine space. So we've got a whole new, whole new type yes. of wine in a male-dominated industry, marketing to females with a model that the wine industry is not familiar with. Oh yeah, I mean, t- 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 totally like not likely to succeed.
2: <laughs> you 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 must have been called insane
0: <laughs> at least
2: once or twice.
0: <laughs> Gary, even my friend, dearest friends and family called this for the first year, like that I was working on it, my little wine thing.
2: Your little wine thing.
0: And they said it with affection, but also kind of like, you know, your little wine thing. Because it was just, there was no way that this was going to be successful.
2: Yeah. The odds are, I mean, <laughs> we should probably tell the listeners who are not familiar, it has been very successful.
0: <laughs> we're one we're of the largest wineries in the country. Yes. We're the largest direct selling winery in the country. I, I think that's part of the magic though. Like if you can just start and... If, if you can be, think of yourself in an underdog, as an underdog, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: you can manage your own expectations. Like the sky's the limit. Just get out of your own yeah. way.
2: Yeah. But there's a, there's a, I mean, I'm really hearing a willingness on your part to, I don't want to say go against the grain. Cause I don't know that you were trying to shake things up. I think you just had a vision and the vision was the vision and it called for all these things. <laughs> but it it there was a willingness for you to go there and get on the skinny branches and and make the hard choices I guess the
0: absolutely I mean, I think in the beginning, I certainly wasn't didn't think of the idea as something big enough to shake things up because I thought mm. we'd be small in the beginning. It's like yeah. most things, and then as we as we began to grow and I began to realize that we were and could in fact shake things up even more. I mean even when I would talk to industry folks about the company in the beginning Gary, I think I must have gotten laughed out of so many rooms by by mostly by men in like suits that work in wine that are 30 years old, 60 year old white men. And that's that was that was kind of I ca- I checked off success and moved on.
2: And look at you now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but my, my barometer of success is not the opinion of somebody that's been doing this something the same way for 50 years. It's, are we delivering deliciousness to our customers? Are they reordering? Are we creating opportunity? Are we doing better for our planet? Are we making a difference in people's yeah. lives? If we're doing those things, then hopefully we'll begin to influence others around us, but we just have to stay at it.
2: Yeah. And you, I read somewhere that you guys set the goal of being carbon neutral by 2028, mm-hmm. which was shocking to me because every time I hear one of those goals, they're always like, 20 years out, 15 years out, in 2034. And I was like, 2028, that's like around the corner. <laughs> Another, I mean, that's—and that's kind of what I'm pointing to. I'm sure that you could have picked... A more comfortable deadline for yourself, sure. But why?
0: Why do that? Why everybody else is saying 2050? Like, I'm going to be so old in 2050. Like, I want us to celebrate this milestone together and make it meaningful to people and make a difference. So why why set a goal that's that's easy? And why not set a goal that's impactful? We're we're hopefully going to announce in in a month or two that we're going to be a B Corp. So we're already making meaningful strides towards these goals. So yeah, key is starting, Gary, well, starting and going.
2: Yeah. And what that tells me is my takeaway is that it's not about the soundbite of it for you. That you're really, I oh, know this goal is important and like, let's, let's make it happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you go about getting people on board and staying the course when like, all the odds are against you, and you you have this you're building this vision that that's pretty radical all these all these things are stacked against you. What was your process like in, in just getting people on board
0: um casting vision I'm a big big exciting vision caster of where we're going, how we're going to get there, but most importantly why who I'm talking to needs to be a part of it and how they'll how they'll make a difference you got to get get people on the bus so you got to like paint the picture of where you're going and and then get them on board
2: yeah and how to and, and so you do that but then there's like holding them in place
0: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely so you gotta you gotta deliver on goals and and then yeah you gotta move the bus forward and, yes I,
2: okay so casting, you, you cast the vision again, and, and then just, it, it sounds like the commitment of delivering on the promises that you actually, it's really what you, because what I, what I, what's coming up for me is what I'm getting present to is that a lot of people just keep casting the vision and they, they rely on charm and their relationship skills to keep casting that vision over and over and over again. But what you're pointing to is that if at some point you don't start delivering on some of those promises, then the whole, the bus breaks down.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think one of the keys is making sure that you get people on this proverbial bus, but then you're not the one, you're not the only person casting vision and driving.
2: Mm -hmm. You got
0: other folks that are doing that and then they're bought in.
2: Such a good lesson right there. Yeah. Because a lot of people hold the vision themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets bottlenecked. What would you say has been your your biggest keys to success. We talked about vision casting a bit. So I'm going to probably put that one on the list for you.
0: <laughs> I would say consistency is so mm-hmm. critical. I talk, I, I I think about this all the time. I mean, motivation is that thing that gets us to show up and start, mm-hmm. but it, it always, it's the thing that goes away. It fades. Yeah. Consistency is, is necessary to succeed in anything, whether it's a workout program, a diet, a new sleep regimen, or a business. You've got to show up every single day, no matter how you're feeling for what you're doing. And so consistency is, is definitely, and it's in your behavior and your attitude and your effort in in delivering on your, your mission, but consistency is key. And that's really hard.
2: It's very hard. What, what, what immediately came up uh, in my mind came up was how do you stay consistent? Like what's your key access to that?
0: I think mindset and, and experience and training, like I've I've had some experiences in my life that have, I've gotten to practice being consistent as an athlete, as other experiences. Mm. So, but you can train yourself to be consistent. I Mm -hmm. think it's just practicing good mindset and deciding to do it. and, And then having others that, can hold you accountable.
2: Thank you for saying that. Because so many people think that it's like something you're born with, or like a skill that you have, and it's absolutely training. 100%. It's it's a practice. And you're not always, you don't always get it right, of course. But then it's what you come back to It's what you reset to.
0: Correct. Can I confess something to you? So I pride myself yes. on cons- I just told you, it's like my second most important secret of success, consistency. <laughs> I um I I work out. I do a variety of things for working out and I have been a I've ridden the Peloton for like 7 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I I stopped riding at Gary for a year and a half. Just stopped. And I had consistently ridden it like every week for like s- almost 7 years. And I just mm-hmm. quit. And then about a month ago I finally was like, okay, I, it's time to start riding it again. I got to get back to be consistent here. So, you know, it's okay to fall down. You just got to get back up and be consistent again, 100%, right? One
2: hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and it's that willingness to get back. It's like what, what what I'm always telling people is like, it's it's the recovery, really. It's not that you never fail, because that's what people seem to focus on as a measure. It's like, oh, I hit a home run and I hit it out the park, and it was woohoo. And it's like, that's not how that goes. Success is not ever linear. It's the recoveries really that that are meaningful. It's the recoveries that set the tone and and build you up and 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 teach you so much from that.
0: It's how you respond, right?
2: Yeah. And yep. you've had you've had a lot to do a lot of responding. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Quite a lot in the last almost seven years. Yes, it's been quite a quite a journey through COVID and the, all the things. Oh, sorry,
2: go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's give, give me some of the highlights. <laughs> well, I, I think I read something about you guys like literally selling out a wine at the beginning and like not having anything else to sell. <laughs>
0: well, let me go back before that, Gary. Like we'll go back to early days, and then I can tell some other stories. So yes. it, in the beginning, we were going to launch the company with eight wines. Okay. Okay, And I curated these wines with these growers, they were magical wines. And we had one particular wine that was going to be like our flagship feature, like, like the wine we were going to like lead with. And it was Uh this beautiful white wine from this tiny little vineyard in California. And we went through our testing protocols and we were like very close to the launch date. Uh huh. And this one wine, the flagship wine, we prepared all these marketing materials with some sort, we, we rubbed some some dirt together and come up with these materials. And this wine popped positive for one insecticide, one one hundredth of a point above zero. Oh no, one one thousandth of a point above zero. So like, Minuscule.
2: Nothing. nothing. Like, yeah, a bleep. Like not even, okay.
0: Yeah, it could have been from like blowover from her neighbor, right? So I, I reached out to the winemaker and I asked her, I said, hey, was part of our process, like, I need to follow up with you on this. And she's she said, yes, we actually did spray that. And I said, okay. And at this point, Gary had a choice to make. We're huh. a whole new company. Nobody's ever heard of us. Nobody knows what the clean craft commitment means. I mean, we don't even hardly know it. We're not, it doesn't even exist. And I had a choice to make. Do we launch the wine? Because nobody's ever going to know, yeah. right? Yeah. Do we launch the wine or do we so we can sell it and make more money and have this beautiful wine and have to start off a company with a great reputation of taste and all these things, or do we pull it
2: and get it right the next time? Right? Like, Oh, Mm -hmm.
0: so I decided to to pull it because if I had not pulled it, then our standard would have meant nothing. Our core values would have meant nothing. Like we would be a company built on like uh, a lie
1: Mm -hmm. and that's
0: not a very good foundation for anything. Mm -hmm. So yes, we sold out of wine, but that's really because I had to pull a wine. And so that kind of set the tone for how we've run the business. Um, do do yeah.
2: you remember how much money that cost you?
0: Um, I mean, it, back then it was a lot to me. It was it was it like a pallet oh, of wine. Of course. Wine. Th- it was.
2: that. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. And I got a very unkind note from this, this very esteemed winemaker. So it certainly like hurt my feelings and made me disappointed. But, you know, it was the right thing to do for the business.
2: Yeah. No, it's, it's. It goes and it, it goes back to your the consistency in in, in in you were sharing earlier, and because those are it, those are the decisions that shape the next one. Correct. Right? Had you had you lowered the bar at that moment? Well, what happens the next time? And then what happens the next time? And then what happens Correct. the next time? And the and the and the bar just keeps lowering. So a lot of people can say, "Oh my God, nobody would have known." It's like, yeah, but th- those are the types of decisions that build that consistency muscle over time. And and I mean, when you make it at, and and here's the thing, because I want I want the listeners to get this, because you everybody does this all day long with all kinds of stuff. When you are doing this kind of game, when you are setting up a business like Sarah did, the stakes are higher because there is invested money, there is other people, you have employees at this point, you've got teams, like there's a lot of responsibility to a lot of people, so the stakes are much higher. But I really want people to know that we do this as humans all day, all the time, and thinking that it has no impact. And it really, really does have an impact. Not you, Sarah had the added vision of maintaining the, the clean crafted promise and the values of the company, but what are the values that you have for yourself and, and, and your family and the life that you're building and, and how do the decisions that you make every day casually impact that? Sorry, I just had to get on my pedestal there because that, that's a really good lesson.
0: No, I love it. I love it. Well, that, that's the thing about running a business, Gary. There's a lot of opportunity for lessons. You just have to make sure oh, you yeah. learn them. I say every day is an opportunity to improve. And so that every day is an opportunity to improve, but you can only improve if you actually do improve.
2: Mm-hmm. So 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of times this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs that I talk to, they, they really get focused on, I mean, I think we all do this as human beings. We get focused on arriving somewhere like the destination of like, oh, I'm transformed. Oh, I'm consistent now. Oh, oh, I've built Hmm. a successful business, but then the next day you got to do it again.
0: (laughs) Every single day you have to Every single day you got to show up. Mm Hmm. I love that. Yep. I love that. I mean, one of the, one of the things I've learned in the last few years in particular is, you know, when things get, we talked earlier about, it's not how you, not how you do during times of triumph. It's how you respond during times of, or after times of failure that define you. Yeah,
2: The recovery. Yeah.
0: Correct. The recovery, the response, the comeback, right? Comeback's always Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. (laughs) than anything that happened before. Right. That's what defines you. Um, Yeah. And, and I think that that's been, you know, I, I think about a couple of examples in the last few years, like that have made me realize I'm like sitting around, like feeling sorry for myself when something bad mm-hmm. has happened. And then I realize, mm-hmm. oh, there's nobody going to come up and show up and save me and help me in this, in this point. Like I, I, we got to figure this out and we got to go. So
2: no, no, no knight in shining armor.
0: Nope. You got, well, yeah, no, there's a knight.
2: <laughs> Her name is Farah. You're,
0: you're, you're your own knight.
2: So, okay. So what So that's a lesson my my next question literally here is, "What have been some of your biggest lessons so far?" <laughs> we kind of started covering that knight. already.
0: <laughs> be your own knight in shining armor and and don't wait around for somebody else cuz you can be a knight
2: <laughs> and set really high standards.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then give yourself permission to to not meet them and then learn from that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because I, 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 we are really hard on ourselves. I think mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are also notoriously very hard on themselves or just I, people who are high achievers, goal getters, I think, tend to be very hard on yourselves. And as we, as we talked about it, the journey is not linear, right? There's a lot of ups and downs. How, how, did, you, how did you manage that for yourself when, you, when you've had those moments where you're just like I mean, I'm sure you've had moments like you were like, what am I doing? What am I doing oh, yeah
0: here? <laughs> Only a couple a day. A day. <laughs> yeah, There's, you see the journey of an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, any kind of business owner, whether your business is small or hu- humongous, there, there's a flow chart uh, of the journey and the life of an entrepreneur. And it shows like the day life cycle of like, everything's perfect. Everything's horrible. Everything's amazing. <laughs> everything's horrible. Like, that's the day in the life of an entrepreneur. I saw that. <laughs> right? <laughs> So I think I I manage it in a few ways. Number one, perspective. Mm -hmm. The bad times are never as bad as they seem, and they won't last. The good times are never as great as they seem, and they won't last. Mm -hmm. So enjoy both for what they are. Perspective is critical. Mm -hmm. Number And I think kind of dovetailing on that, realizing that you're not defined by your successes and your failures you're defined by the impact that you have on the people that you, whose lives you get to touch. They don't care much about the successes and the failures.
2: You know? I love like, that.
0: So those are the, those are the two things that really help me when it, when it gets really hard. It's like, it's not all about that. And like, how am I impacting people? How am I touching their lives rather than not from a business perspective on a personal perspective, how can I make their lives better?
2: I love that. Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's why we're here. At least I, I think so. I think some people get disconnected from that. <laughs> yep. and it becomes about other things. But I think when they come back to center and they get back connected with the things that really matter to them, it, mm-hmm. it impact is always at the top of the list for us. You know?
0: Absolutely. And I think two more things on, the, on a practical level when it gets really hard, it's, Gary, because yeah. I, I think people get in these situations. And I know I found myself there. Find a way to laugh. And if you can't find a way to laugh, you've got a great subject in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then just just move, make move forward in some way, whether it's reading something, talking to somebody, just move forward, and it all usually works out. So
2: I love it. I love the the. <sighs> You're talking about the day. It's not as bad as it seems today, and it's not as good as it seems. Even the good, because we're so addicted to chasing the good. We're so addicted to chasing the win, and we and and, and you're right. Today's win is not tomorrow. It's Like it'll it is gonna flee, and and getting getting that really allows you to level off, so you're not like.
0: Yep, we need to celebrate the, the chase. It's the chase that's that's the real like yes. the thing we should grasp. That's where our feet are. Is in the chase. So once we can like be there, then it's really hard. So when I let you know exactly how I f- if I figured out how to do that, I'll let I'll call you and let you know. But I'm still figuring it out.
2: <laughs> You're doing all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: But but I think it's it's I, I love that you said that. It's such a good takeaway because we and I tell people this all the time. It's like you are not going to it it, it you have to value the journey just as much as the destination. Because first of all, you may not get there. Like you may never reach the destination. And so what? And the real thing is so many people don't even get on the journey. The fact that you're already willing to get in ownership and even get in the game and get in, it's already, you're already ahead of the game. You're already doing mo- most, more than most. So I 1000% agree with you in that it's, it's, it's something to, that's worthy of celebration. Just showing up every day, whatever that looks like, because it's going to be different every day, right? Like some, your hundred percent always looks different too.
0: Absolutely. Well, there's a line from Boz Lorman's, everybody wears, everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Uh... Everybody. Oh yes, yes. Yep. And he says, uh, you know, the race is long. And in the end, it's only with yourself.
2: Yeah, it's a really good song, actually.
0: (laughs) I know. I love it.
2: It's got a lot of gems in it. Okay, what else do we talk about, my friend?
0: I don't know. What else do you want to talk about?
2: So what's next? What, do you, what are you cooking on? What, well, I want to ask you two questions, actually. Yeah. What are you, like, what, what, what are you planning next? I mean, we talked about the carbon neutral, but I, I'd love mm-hmm. to know what else you have going on that you're, that you're innovating. And the other thing that I would want to know is, like, what are you innovating about yourself right now? Like, what are the things that you go, huh, I need to work on this thing about me? And, mm-hmm. like, I, I think it'd be interesting to look at both.
0: Okay. I'll I'll answer the first one and then the second one. We are doing a lot of things this year. We are about to launch this spring in conjunction with our B Corp announcement, a program called Clean Crafted Selections. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited about that. We're working with like-minded companies across industries that help us celebrate the clean crafted lifestyle and the wine lifestyle. And we'll bring mm-hmm. those to our portfolio of products. So... Think cheese, tequila, glassware, other wines from other partners that kind of bring this lifestyle to life. Things that are grown, not made that Mm. are from brands that reflect our philosophies. And so we're pretty excited about that.
2: I love that. Are you, are you finding that, have you found that, like, wait, I know I asked you another question. Have you found that the message has been changing in the industry? Like, have you been influencing other, or are you still holding that torch?
0: No, well, there, I mean. There's two things going on in the industry right now as it relates to like a better for you, better for the earth type of marketing. There's a trend for more brands to lean into that and actually do that good work, which is awesome. Deliver that kind of product to the consumer, take care of the planet um, in a variety of ways through certifications, through carbon neutral, all that kind of stuff. That's great. There's also quite a lot of greenwashing going on. Companies Mm. that say they're something, but they're not really. So my challenge and just make sure you're checking, doing your homework, if that's something that's important to you, just know the company, know what you're really getting. Yeah. Uh, So that's one of the things we're providing, we'll be providing to our customers through this selections program is verified products and companies that really are delivering on a mission, on a product that's better for you and better for the planet. And that's delicious.
2: Mm, Love it. It, Yep. And what about you? What are you working on about yourself? Um, On yourself?
0: I'm. I mean, I'm a big fan of continuing to learn. You know, I talked about every day is an opportunity to improve, so I better try to do that. So I, I read constantly. I just try to get better as a leader. But mm-hmm. I've also spent the last year. I've got. I've got kids and a family. My husband. He works with me, which is a part about myself I don't actually talk about that much. And so I have tried over the last year, Gary, to spend a lot more time with my kids and in my like with my family. And I've
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: been doing a better job of that. So glad. It's important um, because they're going to be there. They're going to be the ones in my hospital bed. I don't think my scout star business is going to show up at the hospital (laughs) when I'm sick.
2: (laughs) Probably not the business. Hopefully some of your co-workers, but
0: (laughs) we'll we'll see. But but yeah, that's
2: (laughs) it's it's interesting you're saying that because it's so it's something that I entrepreneurs notoriously have a hard time with. I've been so bad about it. Yeah. So I've had
0: to really invest energy into it.
2: I'm glad you're getting back to 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 center with that for yourself. That's beautiful so what are if you were mentoring like what's your biggest advice when you're mentoring a young woman like what are you what what are the things that you find yourself going like all right, here's what we need to work on mm-hmm. and and I, and not just when they're starting a business, but I guess any undertaking in life any 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 you know what I mean
0: yeah, I think. I think a couple of things, I think self-awareness is another, another really important, like superpower mm, Yeah, that I'm always trying to improve upon. I mean, I, I think it's a key to, to, to success is the more self-aware you are, the more you can succeed and navigate through these choppy waters of life. Mm-hmm. It's like knowing what kind of ship you have, right. Yeah. To build upon that sea analogy. I don't know how to sail boats, but you know, it, it works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the first challenge to anybody that I would mentor is always like a self, self-awareness exercise. Where are you weak? Where are you strong? Where would other people say you're weak or would other people say you're strong? And then doing a check yeah. on, on that. And then a consistency check, like where are you consistent? Where are you not? And then a demand to start a starting of something. Because usually when I've mentored people, it's been in, in a new endeavor and always just mm-hmm. start. And fail and fail fast. So you can Yeah. Don't sit around and just plan everything, but starting is key.
2: It's and so... then
0: ask for help. Reach out, ask oh. for help. Network. Like people wanna people are willing to help if you ask. More willing than I think we all remember. And that's one of the things I found to be true.
2: I love that. There's there's a lot of gold in that. And I love the idea the I love the idea of failing fast. It's actually something that I was just talking about on my last podcast because obviously I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, I work with a lot of leaders, and and that is a common pitfall where people just sit there and try to think their way through a problem. And there's a time for that. like There's definitely a time to reflect and, and do some innovation and you definitely need to get quiet and introspective at times. And then there's a time to just start. You just got to get going because the lessons that you need to learn are not. So when whenever I'm training people and not learning how to sell, I'm like, I can't teach you how to sell theoretically. I need to teach you. How to sell by you having those conversations and actually failing a bunch of times, and then from there you implement those lessons and that's true of about anything right not just sales but it it's those are the lessons that that that's where the money is that's where the the mm-hmm. the the value really is it's in those failures and 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 it's about how quickly well we talked about it right the recovery, how quickly you recover and fail fast, fail often. <laughs> and yeah, so I love that you highlighted that. And I love that you have the consistency check as part of the, the I talk about it as the integrity check, mm. but it, it's really the, it's the same thing. But I love, mm-hmm. the, love the language that you're using there because it makes it easier to understand. And people mm-hmm. are like, integrity, what was that? But I love the consistency check. I might steal that from you.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a little softer too. It feels more like a hug than like a, a sword.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But with integrity, people often think of it as like morality or like yeah, right yeah, or yeah. wrong, or it's like, like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your consistency, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah.
0: that. I think consistency is so, and so I, I think about in sales, I mean, this, you teach sales and I see it in our business. I mean, I, I don't know how many stories I've heard and probably stories you've heard of people. Starting out as on social media, like as is want to be influencers, and they'll post every day for eighteen months. I, there's one person I know that posted every day for eighteen months before they started to get traction in their business, and finally they got like a hundred likes, and then two hundred likes, and three hundred likes, but eighteen months posting every day with like no feedback.
2: But it, that that is so common. Mm-hmm. Like not the not in a social media setting. I mean that you are. Swinging the bat that many times Mm -hmm. before you have a breakthrough. Like, it very often is what it takes to have that breakthrough. So, again, people are seeking this, like, climb to success, but it really is not like that. You, you, You have to do a lot of that grunt work. And what I love about that is that has she been posting once a week, or once a month, or sometimes on Tuesdays, and sometimes on Thursdays, and sometimes at nine, and sometimes it would not have happened.
0: Nope, it would not have happened. It's the consistency and the work that she put in, like, without getting any results for a yeah. year and a half that got yeah. her the, the big results. And I, Steve Jobs said, like, I know, I think it's Steve Jobs, uh, every overnight success I've ever heard took a long time, took many years. Because I think there's this perception uh, that I think is normalizing a little bit, Gary, but there's this perception out there that entrepreneurs like rocket to like overnight success mm-hmm. with like no mm-hmm. work. And there's such a, that's really couldn't be farther from the truth. That there's so farther much the truth. grind and heartache and tears and failure that goes into any modicum of success. And that, that, that part is what's beautiful. The little successes. Yeah comes and goes but it's all the stuff you learn from all the gritty stuff yeah it's great
2: yeah and you know the interesting thing is you don't lose that Mm -mm. because i you know so you know i i had my coaching business i closed it to go work for Lime Life for five years and now i'm back relaunching my business but i have all those lessons Come with me, right? Mm -hmm. So now, what I did in five years, I'm doing in three, four months because I'm just reactivating all those lessons. So people get afraid of like, oh my god, I have to rebuild, or oh my god, I have to start over. I'm like, you're really not. You you may be in in a way, but it, it comes so much quicker. Like you have that muscle, you have those lessons. It's like having the breakthrough of balance. You learn how to ride a bike and it stays with you. And yeah, you might get on the bike, but you're shaky and you're doing all of that. But the moment you get on and you go through the motions, it all comes back. Your body remembers. Mm -hmm. So it's such a good lesson. I also talk about the consistent pressure. I like to talk about it as it's like temperature. Like if you're baking a cake, like you may have all the great ingredients, but now you need the temperature to be at a certain consistent setting if you're moving the temperature around, the cake never rises, mm. right? And, and you need to put that consistent pressure in order to create that chemical reaction. It's mm. the same thing. It's like you, you, have to, you have to be consistent with it. I love mm. it.
0: That's interesting. The story I tell that's similar, and I want to be mindful, that, that's like yeah, no, you're to good. do with, with cooking is, but a different kind of cooking, Gary, I, I tell it all the time, is about the frogs in the pot you know the story? No. So there was a frog in a pot of water and he, it's sitting on the stove and somebody goes on and turns on the gas burner and it click, click, click and it fires up. And he's sitting in the in the water and he's just chilling there in the water and the water slowly yeah. begins to heat up. And the frog is getting used to it. And he's like, oh, I'm in a hot tub. Like, this is cool. And he's like chilling and relaxing. And he's getting used to the water and he's the water warms up and warms up and warms up. and before he knows it, he's cooked and dead because he got cooked. He sat in the water too long and he didn't get out. There's the second pot on the stove that's already hot. It's already boiling water. And there's another frog that's thrown into that pot. He realizes immediately that it's hot and uh-huh. jumps out. immediately. And so the lesson in that is if you're in something that is like... Bad practices and consistent laziness, and you don't like you get used to that it's eventually going to kill you uh-huh because you don't recognize it for like what that. it is that's, that's the water right what, whatever it is yeah. that you're slowly accepting less 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 work, less consistency, less demanding on uh, like lower standards, making less sales calls, doing less Whatever, whatever it is, and you're just getting used to the lower standards, that's the water that's going to cook you to death and going to kill you.
2: Yes, ma'am. I mm-hmm. love it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are. It's been lovely to just talk about leadership and your journey and your lessons. And I just really appreciate the generosity and sharing your wisdom. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you for having me, Gary. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Thank you. I think the key to Sarah's success can be summed up in one word, consistency. Consistency in her practices, consistency in showing up, consistency in doing the work, and more importantly, consistency in honoring her values, consistency in pushing the boundaries, and consistency in innovating. Now. Hearing this may be a little intimidating to most of us when we all struggle with consistency in some way, shape, or form. I think that's because we think of consistency as a place to arrive rather than a journey itself. Consistency is not a switch that you flip or a decision that you make once. Instead, consistency is a series of countless decisions that you make moment by moment. It's a lifelong practice. We're in such a hurry to get to the destination that we often miss the beauty in the journey altogether. And finding joy and value in the journey is how all of those moment by moment choices get made. Those are the moments that end up shaping us and reinforcing our purpose. So today, I'm gonna challenge you. Look at yourself and tell the truth about where you are not being consistent. And without all the judgment and beat up, Because after all, this is part of loving the journey. See what choices you need to make differently. And how can you support yourself in developing that consistency muscle? As always, thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget to share the podcast with anyone that you think could use the inspiration. I will see you here next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ownership Game with your host, Gary Montalvo. Make sure to like and comment on your favorite podcast platform, as well as subscribe so that you never miss an episode.